0: Welcome, 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 everyone, to The Dark Parts, a show where we explore the darkest parts of history, the world, and your mind. I'm your host, Heath, and with me today is the lovely Queen of Scream, Daphne. How are you doing, Daphne?
1: Lovely. How are you doing today, Heath? Oh, just incredible.
0: Today, we have a really fun story for you guys. And it goes back to the 1800s. So yeah, it's going to be a creepy, scary one, like always.
1: Super, super creepy story that I'm surprised I didn't know about before we started doing the research for this, because it's one of those stories that you think would just kind of be in everybody's head.
0: Yeah, it's honestly one of those stories I feel like is a little bit more uh, popular, but I had actually never heard of it either. So shame on me.
1: Hopefully you guys don't know about it too, so you can learn something new today and tell all your friends around the campfire next summer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you guys are enjoying this show, make sure you go follow us on our Twitter, the Dark Parts Pod, and over on our Instagram at the Dark Parts Podcast.:
1: And if you're also digging the show so far, You can help us out by leaving us a 5-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps the show get recognized, and since we're just starting out, that would really, really help.
0: Okay, strangers, without any further delay, let's get into today's episode. Ghost stories. Are they real? I guess that would depend on whether or not you think ghosts exist. Today, we're going to take a look at a famous, if not the most famous ghost story in American history. A story so terrifying that former President Andrew Jackson sent his own men to investigate. A ghost story that was substantiated by multiple witnesses and documented by numerous accounts. So let's put on our 1800s Ghostbuster gear and take a trip down to the southern yeehaw state of Tennessee and talk about the story of the Bell Witch.
1: Our story starts in the early 1800s and follows a family known as the Bells. John Bell, who was born in Edgecombe County, North Carolina, started his professional career as a barrel maker before making a career change to farming. He then went on to marry a woman named Lucy Williams, and the two then began having children, starting with their son Jesse, then John Jr., then Drury, Drew. Maybe that's the original form of Drew. I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. (laughs) And finally, Benjamin. The family seemed to be doing well for themselves. But in 1801, the Bell family crops started to fail. And that's when John Sr. decided to pack up and move his family out west. Well, to Tennessee. So a little west. His friends and farmer buddies from North Carolina had done the same because their crops had also started to fail, and that's where John got the idea to move. Which makes sense. Your livelihood is not bringing you cash flow, so you gotta, gotta hit your ride elsewhere and try again.
0: Exactly. So in the winter of 1804, John moved his family to Robertson County in East Tennessee to the town of Red River, The Bell family again planted crops, but this time found great success in the farming business. The Bells quickly became known as a prominent family in the area, having not one, but two whole glasses of milk with dinner. Because they're fucking rich and they can do it.
1: Life of luxury.
0: Two glasses of milk each. What a life. So the family was now settling into their life in Tennessee, and they began to attend the Red River Baptist Church where John even became an elder. So things were really looking up for the Bells, and they even had three more children after moving to Tennessee. Daughter Elizabeth, known as Betsy, son Richard, and other son,
1: Joel. So one day in 1817, everything changed. While John was out inspecting his cornfield, he witnessed a strange creature staring at him while it was sitting in the middle of a row of corn. John couldn't quite make out what the creature was, but noticed that it had the body of a dog and head of a rabbit. So John, armed with his boomstick, also known as a gun, fired off a few shots at the unknown animal before it quickly vanished from sight. It's possible old John Bell had a few too many sips of moonshine that day because he thought nothing more of the incident after that, which is beyond me. How do you see a body of a dog and head of a rabbit and shoot at it, and it's staring at you in the middle of a cornfield, and you're just like, meh, forget about it?
0: Yeah, if that was me, I would probably go cry in a corner somewhere.
1: I don't even know what I would do if I saw such a creature staring at me from my own land. Scary to think about. Anyways, later that evening, the Bell family began to hear pounding sounds on the exterior walls of their log cabin, which is never a good sign.
0: Over the next few days, the pounding at night would increase, becoming louder and more violent as each night passed. John and his sons were said to quickly acquire their guns and run outside after the antagonizer, but could never seem to catch them. In the weeks after this incident, the Bell children, who were frightened, started to complain that an invisible entity would pull the covers from their beds and steal their pillows, throwing them on the floor.
1: If you, if they're all saying that this is happening and it's at the same time where this pounding is happening, I believe them.
0: But even more terrifying, the kids heard what sounded like rats chewing on their bedposts and the sound of someone choking gulping, and gurgling in the night. Ugh. Yeah, those are horrifying sounds. These kind of hauntings and ghostly pranks continued for months, becoming more clear as the days went on. At one point, the entity had gained so much supernatural power that it began to speak. At first, very softly, as it only had enough strength to whisper, but then the tormenting ghost began to sing hymns. So basically, this ghost is kind of like Freddy Krueger. The more that you pay attention to it and the more you're afraid of it, the stronger it seems to get.
1: Good analogy. And what a complicated situation, because how could you not think about it and be afraid of it if it's there? Especially whispering. At fir- whispering is scary than a full ass voice. Hearing whispers and then singing and gurgling and choking and gulping. I don't like that.
0: No, I don't like that either.
1: Drew Bell, who was John and Lucy's third son, remember, Drury, was... That's like brewery. Like, it's one of those words that's really hard to say. Drury. Drury. Basically, his name is Drew. Drew was walking on the Bell's 328-acre property when he saw what appeared to be a large, unknown bird perched on a fence close by. Drew decided to approach the giant bird, but when he got close the creature flew away. A man named Dean, who was a slave of the Bell family, explained that when he would visit his wife at night, he would be followed by a large black dog. By 1818, the torment would get even worse and take a physical toll on the family. The entity was now scratching and pulling the hair of the children. But poor Betsy, remember the only daughter, Got the worst of it among the other children. She was slapped, pinched, and even stuck with cushion pins in her face, body, and neck. John Bell Sr. was also being physically attacked. He began to experience paralysis of the mouth and explained to his family that it felt like a stick was being lodged sideways in his throat.
0: So, some very terrifying things going on in the Bells log cabin at this time. People are getting stuck with pin cushions. Um, other people are getting slapped in the face. Some very strange things.
1: And to feel like there's a stick sideways in your throat? Ugh.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure about the stick sideways in the throat. I'm almost kind of thinking the paralysis of the mouth thing was maybe him having a seizure or a stroke.
1: Does that mean that he couldn't talk?
0: Yeah, I think like his mouth was hanging down, like his jaw was hanging down, kind of like he couldn't speak right,
1: you know? Huh, interesting.
0: So not really knowing what else to do, John Bell Sr. reached out to his longtime friend and neighbor, James Johnston. James and his wife were pretty skeptical of the Bells at first, which I think most of us would be if your neighbor was like, hey dude, there's um a ghost in my house, and I feel like you should come over and see it. But being the good neighbor that James Johnson was, he and his wife agreed to stay the night in the Bells' cabin to witness the haunting for themselves, and they sure did. While asleep, the entity bitch-slapped James repeatedly, causing him to spring from his bed and scream, In the name of the Lord, who are you and what do you want from me? After that, the rest of the night seemed to pass without any other incident. The ghost was now gaining so much strength that it was able to hold full conversations, quote scripture, and also sing songs. This is when Andrew Jackson, who was a major general at the time, this was before his presidency,
1: heard the fuss of the Bell family witch and decided to investigate it himself. That's so crazy because, uh, you know, obviously this is the early 1800s, so it's not like today where we've heard countless ghost stories and people either believe them or they don't. But for this to be such a big deal that other people are coming over to witness it themselves and now Andrew Jackson is trying to investigate, like, they, I mean, they took it seriously.
0: Yeah, and honestly, from my research that I did, there was... Plenty of people who had come to see the Bell family witch. They had come to see the Bell witch specifically. And I don't, I can't recall how many people it actually was, but it was quite a few people.
1: So a few of the Bell boys had actually fought under Andrew Jackson during the Battle of New Orleans, which was years prior. And word traveled around about this mysterious and tormenting spirit. So he and a few men traveled by horse and wagon to the Bell farm in 1819. But when they arrived, their wagon suddenly wouldn't move. The horses stopped in their tracks and they wouldn't go any further. That's when Andrew Jackson exclaimed, By the Eternal, boys! That must be the Bell Witch! Jackson and his men then heard a female voice give them permission to enter the farm's property. And with that, they continued down the road to the Bell's cabin.
0: It's funny to me that back in these days, everybody's first instinct is to blame everything on witches. And if you watch the show What We Do in the Shadows, this will probably make you laugh. Trip over a rug, must be a witch. Get the flu, it's gotta be a witch. Horse stops wanting to carry my fat ass and pull a wagon full of my shit, definitely a fucking witch. And even though this story is about the bell witch... I just kinda think it's funny because I'm sure that that was common practice, like everything was just blamed on witches.
1: So suddenly it's not a a ghost anymore, it's a witch?
0: Uh, Yeah, it's gotta be a witch. Anyway, Jackson spent the early evening talking to John Bell on the porch while his posse waited to see if the witch would manifest itself. And sure enough, it did. One man in the group claimed that a silver bullet that he possessed was probably the reason why the spirit didn't want to come around. But just a short time later, that same man screamed that he was being beat and stuck with needles. And see, William, don't be so cocky and talk big game about your silver bullet, and you won't get beat up by a witch. So after this, the men begged Jackson to leave the next day, and he and his men ended up leaving and headed towards Nashville.
1: Over the next few years, the Bell's daughter, Betsy, began to date a young man who lived close to them named Joshua Gardner. Over time, the couple announced their engagement, but the Bell witch was not happy about this. It's been said that a man named Richard Powell, who was Betsy's school teacher and 11 years older than her, had openly expressed his love for her and spoke of marrying Betsy prior to her engagement to Joshua. And when he found out that she was already committed to someone else, he was very upset.
0: Also, by the way, at this point in time, I believe Betsy is like 12 or 13 years old. So this dude is 11 years older than her. That makes him in his what, early
1: 20s? Ugh, it's weird to think that was ever a thing. Like, it was ever normal to date someone so young when you're so much older. Like, obviously, that's very looked down upon now, but at one point, it was not.
0: Yeah, and also, just getting married when you're that young in general, like, goddamn, live your life a little bit.
1: Well, it's creepy that that was encouraged to for girls to get married so young and to become mothers so young when they're literally still children themselves. So weird. So... This dude, Richard Powell, was dabbling also in a cult and he was already married to another woman who lived in Nashville. So I don't know what this guy was trying to do. Some think that he had put a curse on the young couple because the bell witch would repeatedly tell Betsy not to marry Joshua Gardner and anytime they spent time together, the spirit would torment them. So clearly she had some reservations about Josh.
0: And the weird thing also about this part of the story is that doing this research, the language that they used was not Betsy and Joshua spending time together. They literally said the words when they would go off to play together, which makes this even more weird for me.
1: So the Bell Witch was not into them being together, and so much so that in 1821, Betsy broke off her engagement to Joshua, which... It's sad if she really liked him, but if if you think about it, if every time they were together, the Bell Witch had something to say about it...
0: Doesn't seem meant to be to me.
1: Well, I wonder if Richard Powell did have something to do with this in some way, but if you believe that, you obviously have to believe that the Bell Witch is real and that witchcraft is real, question mark?
0: Yeah, definitely. And also, the Bell Witch was already tormenting the Bell family before this, so... I'm not sure Richard Powell had anything to do with it. I just think that he was a creepy pedophile who um, really wanted to get with Betsy.
1: I'm going to say I actually I do believe this story. This just sounds like how could this many people I kn- I know this is a story. It's not like any of them are alive today to say this is what happened, but I believe it. And it just, it sounds like the Bell Witch just really didn't like Betsy for some reason.
0: Yeah, I think she kind of had it out for Betsy. I'm not sure why, because John Bell Sr.'s wife, Lucy, was actually really well liked by the Bell Witch. The Bell Witch, like, loved Lucy, would sing her sweet
1: songs and
0: have conversations with her. So I'm not sure what she had against Betsy.
1: You think that by default, then, she would like Betsy because she's just this young girl. But clearly she really had it out for her because remember that Betsy was getting the brunt of the the beatings from the Bell Witch.
0: And there may be an explanation for this that we're going to get into a little bit later as well. So even though the Bell Witch had now officially split up Betsy and Joshua, she was not done with the Bell family. And although Betsy's torture did seem to cease, it still hated John Bell or Old Jack Bell as the witch would call him. And by the way, the witch now professed that her name was Kate Batts, which I read was a neighbor of the Bells who got kind of screwed out of a, a land deal by John Bell and then had passed away. Revenge. Right. So that's, that's the story that I read. I don't know. But this was expressed by author Martin Ingram, who wrote the book An Authenticated History of the Bell Witch. So probably true.
1: That guy probably knows a lot about the Bell Witch.
0: Yeah, he wrote a fucking book about it. So in the fall of 1820, John Bell's health was declining pretty quickly. He was having seizures pretty often and was having a hard time swallowing, probably due to the little tiny sticks that were in his throat. Despite his sickly state, the Bellwitch continued to torture him by slapping him in the face when he would experience seizures. Jeez. Yeah, she did not like John Bell. By the winter of 1820, John was clinging to life, and on December 20th, he would pass away from his illness. Now, after John Bell died... John Bell Jr. found a vial of liquid that he had never seen before in a cupboard in the Bell's family cabin. Confused as to what it could be, he fed some of the unknown liquid to the Bell family cat, which I don't know why you would do that. Why would
1: you? I don't know what this is. Let me give it to my cat. Why? What?
0: Yeah, seriously. And sadly, the cat did die instantly. That's when the family heard the Bell Witch laugh and shout, I gave old Jack a big dose of that last night,
1: and it fixed him right up. John Bell was a pretty prominent guy in the community of Red River, and very well-liked, so everyone attended his funeral. Even the Bell Witch, who could be heard laughing and singing songs throughout the service. After John Bell was buried, the Witch made a visit to John's widowed wife Lucy and told her that she would be back in seven years to see them again. The hauntings then stopped as promised by the Bell Witch, but in 1828, she returned, as she said she would, to visit the Bells. This time, the witch wasn't there to torment, but had long conversations with John Bell Jr. about Christianity, civilizations, and the origin of life.
0: So, the Bell Witch went to college for a few years and then came back?
1: She even predicted the Civil War and its outcome, which wouldn't take place for another 30 years. After a three-week-long visit with the Bells, the witch then said its goodbyes, but also mentioned that it would be back in 107 years to visit with the direct descendant of John Bell, which would take place in 1935. And it just so happens that a man named Charles Bailey Bell, who lived in Nashville, wrote a book called Bell Witch that he published in 1934, so a year before he was supposed to be visited. Ten years later, in 1945, Charles died, and not much is known whether or not he had an experience with the Bell Witch.
0: I'd be willing to bet that he did.
1: I'm sure he kind of hoped that he would. You know, if he wrote a whole book on it, and I'm sure he kind of wanted to talk to her, maybe.
0: Yeah. I mean, if he was the descendant, you know, like he knows the story. He's probably like working himself up his whole life. He's like, yeah, like a couple more years. I'm going to get to hang out with a the, with the witch and we're going to talk about some stuff. It's going to be cool.
1: It's weird, though, because you would think if he wrote a book on it and it was in his family that this happened, that he would have like it would be known that she visited him,
0: you know? Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that I kind of figured as well. But for some reason, that information wasn't available. All that I had read was that he did write this book and then he died like 10 years later. So maybe, maybe he was cursed by the witch and then he died 10 years later. But to be honest, I don't know how old he was. So it's also possible that he just died from old age or something. Okay, so now you know the story, so let's talk about how the Bell Witch had an impact on the 20th century. People still visit the Bell Farm today and explain that the property is still haunted. Some hear whispers and others see candlelights flickering in the fields. It's also known that photography is very hard to take on the property. Usually the pictures turn out with spot marks, orbs in the background, and mist, which Sounds pretty cool to me. And researchers who study the events have many different theories of why the witch chose the Bell family. Some explain that John Bell had a shady business dealing, and that's why the witch came to visit. Others say that John Bell shooting at the shape-shifting witch caused the torture.
1: Remember the dog, rabbit, thing.
0: Right. But a medium named Sarah Pugh who was involved in an A&E series about the Bell Witch, has a very different take. She explains that she visited Betsy Bell's grave and felt a connection. She says that the Bell family wasn't cursed, but that they had settled on cursed land. She also believes that John Bell was not killed by the Bell Witch, as his official cause of death states.
1: I can't believe that's his official cause of death. Right,
0: isn't that kind of crazy?
1: It says that he was killed by an entity.
0: Yes, but they say that a slave of the Bell family had poisoned John Bell because he had witnessed a family member sexually assaulting 11-year-old Betsy, and John did nothing to save his daughter. I heard that he witnessed it, but I also heard that maybe the slave killed him because he wasn't in the position to take care of Betsy. So I'm not sure if he witnessed it or if he didn't witness it, but I guess you choose in this scenario.
1: A cave next to the bell farm was discovered, but it's believed to be the dwelling place of the bell witch. In 1977, a group of soldiers from nearby Fort Campbell were sitting just outside of the cave when one of the men explained that he was positive the haunting was a hoax. That's when he felt the tight grip of something unknown grab around his chest. About nine years later, in 1986, a writer and photographer for the Tennessean gained permission to sleep in the Bell Witch Cave overnight. Which
0: I don't know why the hell you would want to do this in the first place. And I know that there are people out there that are like, hey, let's go, you know, stay the night in this haunted house or. Let's go, you know, stay in a haunted cave. Like, I'm just, I don't feel you. I can't vibe with you.
1: you have you seen that movie, that John Cusack movie, Room 1408, where he, he's a horror writer? A, oh, a, yeah. A ghost writer or whatever the hell. And he stays in haunted places. So I think he writes about the haunted places. God, I haven't seen that movie in so long. But kind of like that. I wouldn't want to do that either. I don't understand people who specifically are like, I want to stay here so I can experience something. No, I, I actually there's this hotel, it's called Hotel Baron. It's in Meersburg, Germany. It's this beautiful, super old hotel owned by this guy named Michael, who's awesome. If you're ever in Germany, you should go there. And we went there one winter when they're usually closed during the winter. But we had stayed there so many times that he was like, no, you guys are staying with us this Christmas kind of thing. And his wife and son were away. So it was just me, my mom and my brother and my grandma in his hotel with him. And it's this super old hotel and there's like a turret and really creaky floors and old paintings. And he told us that night when we got there was pouring rain and he made us cookies and gave us wine. And he was like, yeah, this hotel is haunted. Did you know? And I was like, why the hell would you tell me that? Like, we're the only people staying here.
0: Yeah. Like, thanks for telling me now that I'm already staying at this hotel, dude. Yeah. Now I want to
1: leave. So but obviously, because I'm into creepy shit, I was also kind of intrigued. And so he was like, do you want me to take you on a ghost tour tonight? I was like, I mean, sure. So at 11 o'clock, he came to my room and me and my brother went with him. And he showed us around and, and took us to this one room where there's the most ghost sightings. And he told us what the ghost looks like and where she is in the room and what she does. And we're just standing in this dark room at 11 o'clock at night in the pouring rain in Germany. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to go.
0: Yeah, that that's definitely scary. I also have a similar experience. If any of you know about the Stanley Hotel, fun fact, Stephen King wrote the book The Shining after he had stayed at the Stanley Hotel because he had heard that it was haunted. And nowadays they do ghost tours and things like that. When I was living in Colorado, me and my parents did that ghost tour. One of the guys leading the tour, he's like, yeah, you know, if you go into this closet, um, you'll feel somebody grab your neck and no. blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I volunteered myself. I don't know why the hell I did that. What? But yeah. Cause, well, because he was kind of like looking at me, just kind of staring me down like he wanted me to like be like, OK, yeah, sure, I'll do it. So I was just like, all right, fuck it, I'll do it. So I go into the closet and yeah, I was in there for like, I don't know, maybe like 30 seconds. I didn't feel anything,
1: but it was definitely a fun experience. Did you tell the group that... The man was lying and you felt nothing and there's no ghost no I, no
0: I could just kind of was I was just sort of embarrassed and You're I was like, just like he
1: didn't feel
0: anything yeah he's like you know like oh did you feel anything did you feel that spirit in there and I was like I mean it was a little drafty in there oh it, was, it was a really big wooden closet thing so
1: I do think it's really fun in the historical sense which was why I was so excited by the the whole ghost situation in that German hotel. And just like you at the Stanley, because of all the history, and it's really fun to hear all those stories, but I would never, well, I don't think I would, stay in a room in hopes of experiencing an entity or seeing something or feeling something. Right. Like, like that's, I don't like that.
0: Yeah. and And when I did the ghost tour, it was during the day. So it was like, okay, like how scary could this really be? You know, but. I would never voluntarily stay there overnight. And also, sorry, I know we're getting way off track, but another really funny story is Dumb and Dumber was filmed at the Stanley Hotel, and there was this story that Jim Carrey, when they were filming um, the movie, he was staying at the Stanley Hotel, and apparently something got to him or something scared the shit out of him because he came running downstairs with his bags and said, I'm not staying at this hotel and ended up staying at a different hotel. Whoa. So this is just what I heard. And actually, I think it's the ghost story or the ghost tour guy. That's what he told me.
1: So anyways, back to the story. Remember, we're talking about the writer and photographer for the Tennessean who wanted to sleep in the Bell Witch Cave overnight. Again, don't know why. Those two guys probably just needed a good story to sell. So throughout the early part of the night, the two guys experienced loud thumps and heard groaning, which they proceeded to investigate.
0: Also, if you hear weird groaning in a cave, don't don't go investigate. Maybe Maybe just just leave. Yeah.
1: They then heard a terrifying scream echoing off the walls of the cave, which scared the shit out of them so they left the cave and did not stay the rest of the night.
0: The Bell Witch story also inspired TV shows and movies, most notably the 1999 found footage film The Blair Witch Project. In the movie, a group of film students travel to small-town Burkittsville, Maryland, to explore the haunted tale of the Blair Witch, who was said to have murdered people within the town. They ended up interviewing townspeople who directed them to the woods, cursed by this witch. The group then camps in those woods and becomes lost, all while being taunted by the Blair Witch. And honestly, the Blair Witch and the Bell Witch, they're different stories, but the point is is that the inspiration came from the Bell Witch. Among other films based around the Bell Witch are supernatural horror films like Bell Witch Haunting, Bell Witch The Movie, and found footage film The Bell Witch Haunting. Jeez, pick an original uh, name there, guys. And that movie was actually released in 2013. Also, the paranormal television show Ghost Adventures produced an episode that was filmed at the Bell Witch Cave. So, kind of spooky there. There's also been countless books written about the Bell Witch, like literally 20 books. So check those out if you want a more in-depth dive into the Bellwitch story. Again, so
1: weird that I have never heard this story. Yeah,
0: it's really interesting though, right?
1: It is, but just like you're saying, it's clearly a very famous story. And, you know, a lot of things were inspired by it. There's a ton of movies. There's a ton of books. I'm surprised I have not heard it before we started diving in.
0: It's also said that John Bell was the only American whose cause of death, like we mentioned earlier was legally documented as being murdered by an entity, which, of course, we may never know if that's true or not.
1: I still can't believe that. The only person who has ever, 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 it has ever been concluded that they were killed by an entity, and it's legally determined. Like, even in the old days, like, that really goes to show you that this was probably true. Yeah, and the fact that there were, I mean, just
0: a ton of different witnesses... I mean, there were a lot of people who said that they had experienced the Bell Witch when they came to visit the Bell family farm, so it's like, I don't You're know. you to call
1: them all liars?
0: Yeah, exactly. And there's just so much information, so many books written, um, so many eyewitness accounts that I kind of have to um, side with maybe this one's true. So strangers, what did we learn today? We learned that if you see a weird-looking half-rabbit, half-dog creature hanging out in your cornfields, maybe don't try and shoot it. Maybe offer it some bread or some milk or something.
1: That's sweet.
0: We also learned that if an uncontrollable, laughing, invisible witch is haunting your log cabin and slapping the shit out of you and your family, you may want to sell your farm and move somewhere else and not stick around for three fucking years of torture. And lastly. We learned that if your last name is Belle and you happen to live in Tennessee, there's a pretty good chance that at some point in your life, you may get a visit from a creepy witch that will either A. Develop a great and interesting conversation with you about the meaning of life. Hopefully that one. Or B. Stick you with needles and steal your pillows at night while poisoning your dad and then laughing about it.
1: Our horror tip this week comes from the film Blair Witch Project. If folks in a small haunted town direct you to the woods nearby that have been cursed by a witch whose sole purpose is to murder and terrorize, maybe avoid camping in said woods and get the hell out of town. I'm still surprised that the Bell family didn't just move.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess when you spend like all of your lifetime's earnings on 328 acres, it would be tough for you to give that up. But I mean, if you're getting cursed and haunted by a witch, you may just want to, you know, take the L on this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, if your whole life is on the line and your quality of life is on the line, take the chance.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of The Dark Parts. We will be back next week with an all-new episode for you guys to dive into.
1: Yes, the episodes are going to come out on Thursday evenings, Pacific Standard Time. So get ready for some more spooky stories. And we do have merch available on our website. If you guys are interested, we have some super cozy and fun merch for you guys to check out. So head over to thedarkparts.com and hit the shop tab.
0: All right, strangers, we'll see you next time in the
1: Dark Parts. <laughs>